bum, 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 bum. This is the rainy day voice of your local announcer, Tom Fitzmorris. And it's time now for the food show. Every afternoon, we position ourselves in a chair or standing up or wherever you happen to be, lying asleep on a, on a couch. You know, whatever it is, um, happy that you are here. I am happy that you are here. I hope you are happy that you are there or wherever it is that you, uh, you want to be. Our telephone number here is 260-6368. Now, why would you want to call that number? Why, indeed, would you uh, bother, take time out of your day to talk to a guy on the radio? I don't know the answer to that. I've, I've, I've been working on figuring it out for, oh, golly, almost 40 years now, and I'm not getting any closer to it. But who cares? Because we have a, a really good topic to talk about here. I think it's topic A, with the possible exception of football season, while it's in season, probably gets ahead of the uh, interest level uh, to the food thing, which is what we do. And, uh, you know, and well, it should be that way. But uh, that doesn't mean that we shut it down entirely. And I'd love to hear from you about where you've been eating, where you want to eat. Uh, what dish have you had in your entire life that was so good you hope that someday before you go away that this flavor that you remember is to be found someplace? Yeah, I've got a couple of things like that. One of them is funny, and I don't think I'll ever find out what the story is on it. But there used to be a Nabisco cookie that was kind of like an Oreo, except that instead of the top and the bottom parts uh, being made out of very dark chocolate, I guess is what gets it, gives it that color. And in between is that cream filling. They also had uh, a cookie that was in two pieces like that. It had the cream filling in the middle, but it wasn't really a crunchy cookie like that. It was a uh, a little on the soft side, and it was, it had to, as a matter of fact, I think one of the names of it was a something or other sandwich. And I, I found out that you could buy these for a nickel a bag, and you would get something like five or six of them in the bag, but they were so light and so uh, puffy that you would just swallow them down right away. I remember, I just is all hooked up with a memory of going to Little Woods, Little Woods in the eastern part of Louisiana. It was an actual little town. You even had a railroad running through it. The railroad is still there. And you could uh, just pop in there and get a roast beef poor boy, believe it or not. Right, you'd have to walk on the tracks to get over to where this little grocery store was. And you could buy groceries there. You could take it back to your fishing camp and cook up stuff. And in fact, we used to do that. This is something you do during the summer, not this time of year. And uh, I remember there was a little uh, grocery in, uh, uh, across the street. Across the street, it was also across a, uh, a canal, and then it was across the railroad tracks. And they had those cookies that I was telling you about. They also had baseball cards, that being the time it was. And I went in there and I bought out all the baseball cards they had. They were a nickel a pack back then. And then they ran out. And I said, oh, my goodness, you've got to get more baseball cards. This is essential. And the guy behind the counter said, well, I don't know. Next time the Nabisco guy comes over here, we'll figure it out. So 
I guess I guess they did, but a few days later, uh, there they were, the baseball cards and those cookies I mentioned. And I bought, you know, quite a few of them. By the way, I was only like five or six or seven years old. No, I must have been a little older than that, 12, 13 maybe. And uh, went in there, and I bought all the baseball cards uh, that I had enough money to, to get. And that was ju- just about cleaning them out. No, I, actually, it didn't clean them out at all because they, they brought a bunch of them to the store, the wholesaler did. And now these people were probably stuck with all those baseball cards because who else around there would want baseball cards? They didn't know. But uh, I felt guilty about that ever since, that I'm wondering if those baseball cards are even still there. I wonder if the place itself is still there. Anyway, if you have memories like that, I was just talking off the top of my head. All of that was true, though, I will tell you. And uh, I keep thinking, I bet everybody's got uh, stories to tell like that that involve some kind of food that they associate or, or just love, just plain love, uh, with a certain time, and if it was a good time, then you, you, it's a good idea to have those cookies again if you possibly can. I can't because I, I don't remember the name of it. I don't exactly remember what they looked like. I just remember that I liked them a lot, and they cost a nickel a bag, which seemed to be uh, significant. Uh, up until, uh, I'm going to just take a shot at this, um, let's say 1972. Everything seems to have pivoted around that year for some reason. In 1962, uh, one of the things you could buy in just about any convenience store, you know, not so much the big stores, but the little neighborhood stores, were uh, a cookie called, uh, let's see, it was uh, Stage Planks. That was the name of it, Stage Planks. And they were made by... Several different makers, but probably the one that was best known was uh, Jack's, I think, is the one that had them. And they would give you two of them in a, in a, pass, in a, in a bag, and it cost a nickel. And they were pretty big. They, they were cookies, really. They were sort of um, uh, some sort of spice. You could pick that up on it. Uh, which one, I don't know. Uh, but uh, they were crunchy, and they were covered with kind of an icing. One of them was pink, and the other one was yellow. So you'd get one of each in the package, and they only cost a nickel. And this was a pretty good-sized item. I remember if you ate a whole packet of them, you would have uh, killed your appetite probably. And I see every now and then they pop up somewhere, and I see them, and they're not a nickel anymore. They're more like a dollar. But uh, anybody else uh, remember stage planks? You do? You remember stage planks? Oh. Yes, I used to go uh, to a, yeah. a Ragusa on the West Bank. Ragusa's on the West they, They've got everything in that place. Yeah, and I used to get the banana-flavored ones. Banana-flavored? Now, I've never seen banana-flavored stage planks. Yes. Not that that makes them impossible to believe, but anyway, I, re- I remember people used to come in and have a sandwich and a stage plank. And a glass uh, of milk. That was and a glass of milk. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, the, the funniest one to me, though, was one that we'll, we'll be talking about any day now, uh, and that is king cake. And uh, as I, have, I know I've mentioned a million times before, uh, for a long time I worked in Time Saver stores around town, mostly the one on the corner of Jefferson Highway and Central Avenue. And w- while I was there... 
uh, at some point, one of the bakers decided to come out with a king cake that was just big enough for one person. It was kind of like a donut, basically. It was about the same size as a donut. Had a lot of the flavor of the donut, except it had the you know the classic sprinkle of uh, Mardi Gras colors on top. And then uh, a guy came in at one day, and he picked up a Mrs. Drake's sandwich. Anybody remember those? They came in a lot of flavors, of which the one that I remember most uh, non-fondly was, uh, just get your, try to get your head around this, um, luncheon meat and uh, pickle on raisin bread. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. I can't imagine. But anyway, uh, this particular guy, he looked like he had been working on a, on a building site or something. He, had, he looked like he'd been doing a lot of work that day. And he picked up one of those uh, sandwiches, not, not that kind, fortunately. I think he got a ham sandwich or something. And then he sat down and he ate the thing and he drank uh, a big giant cola. That I remember. It was a 16-ounce cola. In back in those days, made here in New Orleans. In fact, I think the company's still in business. They also make uh, Big Shot drinks, same same company. Anyhow, so they, they have all of this, and this guy does. And uh, I saw him he, uh, on my way home. I passed in front of where he was working. I just, out of the corner of my eye, there he was. He was sitting on a... Uh, uh, what do you call those those big bricks that they build all sorts of things like? There's a name for them. It's not coming to me right now. But uh, uh, anyway, he was sitting on one of those. See, a, a cinder block. That's what it was. A cinder block. He was sitting on a cinder block, and he had his sandwich in one hand, and he had the king cake in the other. So the, I don't know. That clicked off something in the back of my mind. And the next day when I was at the store, I got one of the king cakes. And... It said, complete with baby. And I thought, this guy, here he is working real hard, and he's got this awful sandwich, and he's got this, uh, he, and then he has this uh, king cake. And I'm thinking, uh, and he's going to get a baby, you know, the king cake baby, I mean, uh, when, uh, if after finishing his sandwich and his, uh, his other stuff, and the big giant, big giant cola, he would have this. And he would open it up, and there he would be. He would have the king cake baby that would be in the middle, which made him smile and say, gosh, now I can buy myself another one tomorrow. Because, you see, in king cakes, the deal is you, uh, if you get the baby inside the slice of king cake that you just scored, uh, you are the person who has to buy the next king cake for everybody else. You know how that goes. I don't have to explain, explain that to too many people. Anyway, a classic New Orleans story, uh, one of a million of them that we have here. Our number is 2606368. If uh, there's ever anything you uh, recall about uh, any, any era in your life that concerned uh, eating, drinking, you know, food in general, would you give us a call and uh, and let's let's share these? Uh, people get a kick out of it, believe it or not. Two six zero six three six eight two six zero sixty three sixty eight. If you call right now, you'll get right in, and we will talk about anything. If you're trying to figure out a place to go on New Year's Eve, give me a call and tell me what kind of thing you uh, you like to eat. 
uh, tell me what your girlfriend or your boyfriend likes to eat gets probably more important than what you want to want to eat. It's at least if you want it to be a successful evening. Uh, tell me how much money you want to spend on this. What do you think would be a reasonable price for a first-class uh, uh, New Year's Eve dinner? A lot of these have uh, have they have live music. That's something that adds value to it. Anyway, uh, it's been a while since we have passed up the $100 mark with that, although not by much. It's uh, Most of the ones I'm talking to that are first-class restaurants are telling me high, uh, three, high two figures. That's, that's what's uh, coming out there. But then again, uh, there are a few that, uh, that, you know, 100 or more. I remember one year there was a really good Italian restaurant on Decatur Street, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's, it had the the letter E in it. It was run by a couple of uh, brothers who were both uh, chefs and front of the house guys. And uh, the uh, people who used to come in there, it was very sophisticated, and they had a, uh, a real uh, swell in the number of their regular customers after the word got out about just how good it was. We talked about it a lot on the show here back then, and it was uh, after doing that uh, that they found out from their landlord that the landlord was raising the rent, and they did the math, and they decided that they couldn't possibly make any money with a rent that high, so they dumped out of it, and they shut the place down, and it's been many other restaurants since then, but none of them particularly good, and none of them successful either. Oh, well, uh, you know, if you've got any stories about eating, about restaurants, about uh, anything, call us. Tell me about it, 260-6368. Mike is joining us over here on the green phone. Mike, come on in. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. All right. And, well, you correct me uh, if I'm wrong, and uh, well, that's fair I don't enough. Know the an- I, I don't know the answer. Well, let's, let's find out. Me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm told that the uh, the cocktail was originated here in New Orleans. Yeah, uh, there are several people, several outfits or memories, really, because it all goes back a long way. Uh, that say. So do you know how? Do you know how all that came about? Yes, I do. I sure do. Okay. It's uh, it was a, a it was the Sazerac cocktail. I, they weren't calling it back then uh, by that name, but that's what it was. It was put together by uh, a pharmacist. Or, or a druggist, or whatever they called them back in those days. They were a lot less scientific than they are now. And uh, this guy had a, uh, he had a, a, a shop where you would come and get pills and stuff. But one of the greatest drugs that was used in those days was sheer alcohol. And, you know, if you're feeling bad and if you drink some, some beer or some brandy or something like that, it'll make you feel better. Not for long, and if you drink too much of it, you feel real bad. But uh, that's why you had these druggists who, were, who had these uh, little stores, and they would give you what amounted to cocktails. Uh, and uh, rye whiskey was one of the ingredients. Uh, these uh, uh, bitters, which had flavor in them but not much in the way of alcohol. It was just to give an extra flavor to something, and Sazeracs are full of those. And, uh, you know, a couple other little mixtures go in there, and here this guy was. Uh, and he created this drink. It became very popular. 
And uh, they claim that it was the very first cocktail. And they even say the, the name uh, cocktail came from a French expression, which is, would make perfect sense here in New Orleans because we had a French culture at that time. This was in the 1700s. So we're going way back on this. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's what he put out there. And he said it was the first cocktail because in French, cocotier is the word that that and it refers to the kind of cup that this was served into it was a cocotier a little shell and uh, and uh, that's how it got its name and the, and uh, they say well that was the original cocktail but i've seen in some other books on the subject that uh, three or four other outfits uh, claim to have come out with it first who knows it's a, it was around the same time though if you want to if you want to see uh, a lot of lore about this the very place where this uh, guy had his pharmacy uh, is still there, and it's on um, Royal Street, right around the corner from Antoine's. And, and they, the, the other things that they sell are antique weapons and coins. It's there, and it's an antique store now, but they also have a lot about the early days of cocktails there. It's uh, worth going to. Interesting. So you talked about bitter, so I'm assuming that's, that's how the old-fashioned yeah, Pecho bitters. That was the name of the uh, of the druggist. His name was Pecho, and so he he put his name on his own uh, bitter, and that's where that came from. Right here in New Orleans, and, and you know it figures because if you die in, of cirrhosis of the liver in New Orleans, uh, that's considered natural causes. <laughs> well, there you are. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for calling. You're listening to The Food Show, and this is Tom Fitzmorris, and we will return with more of it in a moment. After first, if you will, this. Is this Dr. John? Yes. It is, isn't it? Right place, wrong time, wrong everything. Is this a uh, reference to New Year's Eve? It sure was. Uh, Thank you, Doctor. (laughs) It's the Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmaurice. And uh, we'd love to hear from you about whatever is cooking over at your house, uh, what you had on uh, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, if you went out to eat. Give me your report on what what you had and how good it was or how bad it was if it was bad. Our number is 260-6368. And please believe me when I tell you that no matter what it is you would like to talk about, uh, we'll be very welcoming of that and would very much like to hear what's on your mind. Don't hesitate for a minute. And then if all of a sudden you get this feeling, you know, why would this, you know, why should I call a radio station? I mean, what do they know? Or I, I need everything I need to know. Or, you know, whatever it is, uh, call us anyway. Uh, we're not going to shoot you down or anything like that. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are about what you've been eating. You know, it's it's so f- funny that uh, the last caller 
wanted to know about uh, the cocktail and how it was invented. And is it true that it was invented in New Orleans? I'm going to say it was. There are some people that dispute that, but it's not a big deal. I mean, it's, it's not something revolutionary. Didn't have an article written about it or anything. But what I do have here, and this is just a weird coincidence. Today, uh, my class at Jesuit High School, 1968, uh, for, uh, to, to make sure that all the truth is out on the table, I did not actually you know, graduate from Jesuit, but I went there for four years, and, uh, and then they threw me out, and I deserved to be thrown out. My grades were terrible. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I still have very many friends among uh, the re- remaining people over there, and uh, I always support everything that they do. It's a great uh, school. Anyhow, the reason I bring it up is that today we had uh, one of our reunions. We have these reunions once a year. We, we you know, most uh, schools, they only do it on the, the years ending in a zero or a five. We do it every single year, and there's a group among us that does it every, uh, every month at, over at Galatoire's is where they usually do it. The place where we do it is the Court of Two Sisters. And the reason for that is that the guy who owns the Court of Two Sisters is, in fact, a Jesuit boy, too. So, uh, and from our class. So there's that. But anyway, I asked him if I could borrow a couple of their uh, uh, cocktail uh, napkins here, and they gave me a few of them. And written on the back of the, uh, these napkins is something very interesting. It says, the origin of the cocktail and how it got its name. Now, isn't that strange? Here we are talking about that very subject, exactly the same thing, and it turns up on a napkin that I have in my hand. I'll read it to you. I got this at the Court of Two Sisters. I don't know who read it, wrote it. Maybe they did. Probably so. Anyway... In the beginning, it says here, about 165 years ago, wow, an imaginative apothecary, that's another name for a dr- druggist, named Antoine A. Peychaud, P-E-Y-C-H-A-U-D. Antoine A. Peychaud unwittingly created the first cocktail. In his shop, just two blocks away from, uh, it says here, well, that would be two blocks away from the Court of Two Sisters, which is on uh, Royal Street between uh, St. Louis and, uh, no, it's, wait a minute, no, it's uh, uh, the two cross streets are, uh, it's just, it's around the corner from Antoine's, let's just say that. Anyhow, moving on, uh, he dispensed his own special potion. He called it bitters, just simply bitters. It's adapted from his old family secret, he said. Uh, good for anything that ailed one. Uh, anyway, he mixed his uh, he mixed one of these that uh, he started serving with uh, a French cognac. A cognac is a brandy, uh, and for friends only, of course. He uh, he was very careful about this, very professional. So anyway, it was called the Sazerac cocktail because uh, this the uh, the. Uh, brandy that they were using, the cognac they were using, actually came from the region uh, that was known as Sazerac in France. So that's how it got that name. 
And here's how they, they made this uh, cocktail. Uh, One-fourth of an ounce of simple syrup, a teaspoon it would be about the same amount, Three dashes of Angostura bitters. These are bitters. These are also found around stores and in bars and stuff. Angostura bitters. They, I wouldn't say they, ta- they uh, taste exactly like Peixot bitters because they don't. But they're not all that different either. So it's, it's, it's kind of in the same category. There's this spicy kind of a thing. Not, not hot and spicy, but just, you know, has this uh, aromatic, oh, ginger-like kind of a flavor. Anyway, uh, you put all of those ingredients into a mixing glass, and you stir it until uh, it's uh, blended. A cold strain into an 8-ounce tumbler. That's a pretty big drink there. Uh, that's lined with a few drops of absinthe or, and also a little bit of lemon twist in there. So that's a Sazerac, it says here. Let's see. We have more. He served uh, this, still talking about Antoine Peychaud, who is the druggist who came up with the Sazerac cocktail and uh, by definition all cocktails according to this anyway he served this medicinal dose in a unique crockery that had it was an egg cup but it had two ends on it you've you've probably seen these before you take a hard-boiled egg and you put it into this egg cup just to hold it there so you can knock off the the shell and just eat it right out of the shell that's a uh, anyway I, you know, the whole story I told you already, it's, it's right here. And I swear to you, I didn't look at this until about two or three minutes ago. Uh, it was an egg, egg cup, and the French name for it was a coquetier. C-A-C, well, coquetier, just like I said it. Uh, there are many thoughts as to how the word evolved into a cocktail, which is the most popular uh, uh, being a mispronunciation of the French, but... Maybe it could have been a little too much for Mr. Peixot's wonderful elixir. So in time, the therapeutic value was replaced by the artistic efforts of New Orleans mixologists. So you have four dashes of Peixot bitters, one and a quarter ounce of rye whiskey. That is the recipe for now. And also, uh, there's a, another uh, cocktail ingredient in this uh, Peixot, not Peixot, excuse me, it's um, the uh, co- uh, the cocktail that is made with absinthe substitute because up until lately you couldn't get real absinthe. Uh, so we're talking about herb saint, and there's a little bit of herb saint in a Sazerac cocktail too. So that's part of it. Anyway, all of that off the back of a napkin I picked up at the co- at the court of two sisters just uh, less than an hour ago. Two six zero six three six eight got a chance to. Uh, talk with some of my friends who I haven't seen in a while. There was one guy I was really uh, interested in talking to. Is He's a fellow who I not only went to Jesuit with, but he also uh, went to the same grammar school that I went to. And he has had some sort of health problem. He looked a lot better than the last time I saw him. Uh, but he had a, a problem that, my goodness, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Certainly not a guy like him. He was very nice, uh, very a very athletic sort of guy, but at part of the uh, part of what you go through is that you can't taste anything. We've had a couple of people over here at the radio station who have had that problem, and you can't taste anything. You have to force yourself to eat. They say this is not something that uh, can possibly be 
uh, uh, pleasant. But he seemed to be getting along okay. I'm glad to see that. It was worth going to the to the uh, reunion just to uh, check it out with him. Anyway, two six zero six three six eight. We'd love to talk with you about food, about restaurants, about cooking, wine, the entire range of it. It's the only program of its kind in America, as far as I know. Here and there, you will find on weekends, like maybe a one-hour program on, on Saturday in some talk shows out there, some radio stations. But a show that's on the air every day, all we do is talk about food. That's it, food and wine and all the things that go with them. And... Why is that? Because this is America's best eating city, and uh, that's where we are. Our program today is sponsored by The Grill. I have uh, their menu in my hand here, and I, uh, I like the desserts at the, uh, at the grill, especially the ones that were uh, pretty uh, popular over at the Court of Two, uh, excuse me, over at uh, Camellia Grill. The Camellia, the people that run the Camellia Grill also own the, the, the grill. And uh, anyway, I, I have a list of the desserts that they have. This would be a lot for any kind of restaurant. Uh, their own cheesecake, they do make it in-house. Pecan pie, they're famous for that too. Chocolate pecan pie, I haven't tried that yet. I'll have to give it a whirl. Apple pie, you know, uh, we talk about apple pie as being, you know, as American as apple pie. When's the last time you had an apple pie? Nobody makes them anymore. Nobody seems to eat them anymore. This Christmas, you had you had a you had a uh, apple pie on uh, for, at your Christmas time. Uh, Dutch apple pie. Dutch apple pie. What is that? Uh, it's apple pie with uh, like little sweet crumbles on top. Oh, okay. And you bake it, and you. Yeah, I was hoping it wasn't going to be that variation that comes out with garlic and sardines. Uh, scoop no, ice I cream. I hate, hate that one. It's love. Banana cream pie. These are desserts that they have all the time at the grill. Uh, coconut cream pie. I had that last time I was there. It was delicious. It was also, what I liked about it most, I think, is that it was not so sweet that you wanted to throw up. You, you know these desserts that, that you get sometimes. They're just so sweet. Not even talking about rich or any other flavor that might make it seem better. Just Sweet. Anyway, this is not that. This is uh, coconut cream pie. It was very light and delicious, too. Chick's chocolate cream pie. Who's Chick? I'll find out next time I go. Haven't had that one yet. Key, key lime pie. That's delicious. Vanilla ice cream. That's just vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream. They also have these things called freezes. And it's hard to explain, but they're kind of like a liquid sundae because they start off with ice cream and milk and flavorings. The flavorings you can choose from, chocolate, coffee, mocha, chocolate cherry, cherry chocolate, cherry cherry, chocolate chocolate, and cherry, 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 chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Well, you know, you get the idea. They also have vanilla and orange as flavors for their freezes. All of them are six bucks. And they are... Uh, they're very popular. I, yeah, I, they've always been part of the menu at the... Uh, the old Camellia Grill, and they still are now at The Grill. They are on Veterans Highway uh, in this shopping center that used to be just an open field for many, many years. Now it's a shopping center, a uh, pretty big one, too. The big 
place in there is the is Trader Vic's, which is right next door to The Grill, which is open seven days a week, lunch and dinner. It's casual. It's inexpensive. It's family-friendly. It's The Grill. Hmm. We'll be back with more of The Food Show in a moment. But first, if you will, this. Days of old Lang Syne. Gosh, I've never heard this version of it before. That's pretty well done. The main one you hear is, of course, Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians. Lang Syne. We'll tie the war. Our days of old Lang Syne. You know, this guy, uh, uh, Guy Lombardo, he had uh, he was a big band leader, and he had a, a big hit with a song entitled, and this was what the whole song was about, too. It's very funny. It's, it's called, I'm My Own Grandma. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm My Old Grandpa. That's it. And then through some strange calculations, it turns out that he is his, his own grandpa. You figure it out. Go look it up. This is the Food Show. We'd love to talk with you about where you've been eating, about food, about anything having to do with taste, about uh, the, how good restaurants are, how bad they are. The things that are driving me nuts lately uh, are the loud, loud volumes that you hear in restaurants. I was reading an article in a magazine, a uh, food industry magazine, uh, in which... The author went around to a whole bunch of restaurants with uh, these meters that could tell you uh, just how loud a place was. And a, a lot of restaurants have uh, these uh, sound backgrounds that are so loud that they can actually permanently hurt your, uh, your ability to hear. And that's obviously not something you want. But it's, it's getting worse and worse all the time, it seems to me. And I, I wonder, you know, we, we put a lot of rules in front of people. I think that is one that we kind of need. And not only that, but you wind up not being able to ha- have a conversation with the people you're with. And if you do, you wind up yelling at each other. I remember, and apparently a few other people did too, uh, once I was having dinner at uh, Gotro's. Uptown, very good restaurant, always has been, and it. But it always has been very, very loud in there. Just, uh, just something about the way the all the sound resonates inside the place. I was in there once, and it was extremely loud, more than even normal for them. And I just stood up at my table and I said these words: "Everybody, shut up, just for a second. Let's get this volume down, and then we can go back after it." And everybody did stop talking for a few seconds. And then they started talking some more and some more and some more. And after about two or three minutes, it was right back up there where we had started. And uh, 
there are people who still to this day say, yeah, I remember you doing that. I didn't know that was you. <laughs> well, I'm glad I uh, started something or put an end to it. I'm not sure. 260-6368. Uh, best restaurant experience of the year. We're now we're getting down to the end of uh, the end of the year. Did you go to any places that uh, stuck out in your mind as being exceptionally terrific? Restaurants that maybe were old that have gotten a lot better than they used to be? Restaurants that have just opened but are terrible or great? Either one. I'd much rather hear of the ones that are great. Would you mind uh, just taking a minute of your time and giving us a call and tell us about some of these? Think about it for a minute. You must have been to someplace good this year. Haven't you been? If there's anybody out there who has not been to a good restaurant all this year, would you please call me and let's figure something out for you. Christmas Eve is past. Uh, New Year's Eve is upon us next, uh, next Monday. That's a new, uh, Christmas, new Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is a, uh, the busiest day of the year for restaurants. And if you're thinking of going out to a restaurant on New Year's Eve, Get another, uh, get, a, uh, get another thought because it's very difficult to get into the very best restaurants, that's for certain. But also it's getting tough uh, to get into any restaurant some days. This, this, and this is also true of, of New Year's Day, although that's at a different level. One funny thing that happened recently about this, and it gets back to the sound stuff again, uh, that there was a restaurant... Oh, gosh, which one was it that was having really a problem with this noise level stuff? The, the chefs couldn't hear one another talking, and all the chefs do is scream at one another. I don't know. I forget the, what the story is now. It's, a, it's one of those things that just gets under your skin. At least it gets under my skin. 260-6368. And uh, we, we'd love to hear from you about uh, any place, place you've ever been in your entire life that you remember as being delicious. If it's still in business, I'd, I especially want to know. And if you're not sure if it's in business or not, we will find out this data from you and uh, from you or from uh, other sources. The great thing about our program is that I don't know everything. That's that's for certain. That's not the great thing about the show, though. Uh, the great thing about our program is that if you uh, if you want to know something, just ask us. We'll stop everything. Whatever else we're doing, we'll stop everything and we'll go over to what you want to talk about. And then we'll get the answer from somebody who knows as much about it as anybody I can think of. And then we'll put it out there for you and thereby have a better meal ahead of you without it costing you a nickel. Uh, area code 504 260 260-63-68. Uh, and it, uh, again, I tell you, if you uh, if you have any hesitance about calling our program, thinking, well, you know, I don't really have anything smart to say. Uh, I tell stupid things. I I'm you know uh, I, the only things I know about are tr- very trivial. Oh, please call us because those over the years have always been proven to be the most interesting and most entertaining and best calls that we ever get from anybody. So please, we, 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 our program is zooming down into the pit if we can't get more callers calling us. 
There are a lot of people listening to us. I know that because the, of the number of people that show up at anything we promote. But why, are, why won't anybody call us anymore? This is very strange. I've been doing this program for 30 years now. And for most of it, we just, you know, one call after another every single day. But lately, it's as if nobody wants to do it or as if there's some penalty attached to it or something. If you have an, a theory about that, share it with me, would you? Because I'm, I'm mystified. We will come back with more of the program after. Oh, hi there. It's the Food Show. This is Tom Fitzmaurice. It's fun to be here with you every day talking about the food scene around town. Our number is 260-6368, 260-6368. Call right now. You'll get right in. And I sure wish you would, boy, because where is everybody these days? Um, every day since the beginning of the month, I have featured a restaurant that uh, is doing a Revion dinner. A Revion, in case you uh, have not heard about this before. Maybe you've heard it, but you didn't know what it was. Uh, it dates back a long, long way, at least 200 years and maybe longer than that here in New Orleans. And I think it actually was pretty common on in, in Europe, too. And what would happen, just to make a long story short, is that a gathering of people, after they had gone to church on for Christmas Day, they would go home to the homes of their uh, their family and they would put out a, a big buffet, is what it amounted to, and, and everybody it was very festive. And uh, this was part of New Orleans culture until the, the church changed its rules about how all that happened. And, uh, so, and, and the name disappeared completely. But back about 25 years ago, the, somebody at the New Orleans hamburger, oops, excuse me, at the New Orleans uh, the uh, French market uh, area, uh, was big, big on this, but French Quarter, uh, uh, FQFI, French Quarter Festival Association, they came up with this idea uh, to to do that with uh, with restaurants, and they asked the restaurants, come up with a special menu that has the the aroma and the taste and the spirit of the season, and give it a good price. It's a great value, and. Uh, there it went. It took a while to get uh, to get popular, but it has really caught on, and it is one of the greatest imaginable uh, bargains that you can make in dining out in fine restaurants in the city. Uh, typically, the 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 prices for a three course th four course dinner uh, run somewhere in the neighborhood of the uh, mid to late forties. And maybe into the 50s a little bit, but most of them have different price markings on depending on how much you want to spend. Most of them around there, 40-ish, 40-ish, 50-ish. Anyway, today's is the uh, is Brennan's on Royal Street, and we will come back and talk about that in a minute. But somebody was on hold. Are they? They're not on hold anymore. Oh, they were waiting on me. Uh, call us back, would you? Oh, they're on. Oh, okay. Welcome to our show. <laughs> Looks like Craig. I never know what's going to happen around. They're always changing the equipment, and it, it does it on the left side for the old one, and now the new one is on the right side. You know how that can goof you up. Yeah, don't worry about it. All right. Well, I, well, the best meal I had this year was at Nephew's. I ate the rabbit over there. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, rabbit's good. Yeah, very, very low in fat and uh, really good. What, what was this restaurant? At Nephew's. 
Oh, oh, and nephews. Oh, yeah, this is the yeah, place. It was that's, delicious. They're trying to uh, reestablish the flavors of Tony Angelo. Mm-hmm. Well, I never had it before at Tony Angelo's, but I had it at nephews. It was delicious. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's good I chef. Went, go ahead. Good yeah, chef. Yeah, I went to yeah. D.C. I went to Washington D.C. Did you? And yeah, and I ate at a French restaurant. I ate beef Wellington. Ah, first time I ever had it. No kidding. That's an old-timey kind of French dish. Uh, it used to be very hip, though. In the 1970s, Louis XVI French restaurant uh, came here and turned that into just a huge phenomenon, at least if you could afford to spend that kind of money. Well, it was a little, I mean, it was, it was something yeah. entirely different. I never saw yeah. anything like it. You know, it was good. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, in, in pastry, and you've got this uh, right. sauce that's made with uh, a lot of unusual things like uh, foie gras. And right. and uh, uh, peppercorns and it, it was a lot of different items that went into the making of that. Right, and I had at the same restaurant. I had the chef's um, fuck, I mean, uh, pate, and it wound up yeah. being venison pate. Was that delicious? Oh, no. That's different. That was, was it good? different? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was tongue at first, you know. But uh, and I asked the guy, and it was uh, venison pate. It was delicious. And where was this again? I was in uh, Washington, oh, Washington D.C. I was some, okay. All yeah. right. Well, your timing is perfect. Uh, we'll be back with more of the food show Take after care. we check in on the news. Stay tuned. Thank you.